Hello and welcome to episode 47 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. My name is Dan Francesco. I'm the deputy editor of Cellside Technology. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. editor of Waters Technology, Anthony Malikian. Hello, everyone. So today is a special day because this week was Waters USA. So we got a great ton of great content up on the site. You'll see by the... Um, Mirage, myriad, myriad of links. Jesus, myriad man. of links. Oh, we started off on a hot note, uh, didn't the, we? Myriad of links on the page. Uh, a ton of great stories from the event. Um, we're going to touch on a couple different things. Some event related, some non-event related. Uh, to start, though, I want to talk about something that came up in the sea level panel. And the reason I want to talk about something that came up in the sea level panel is because I feel like that's a great indicator. A uh, canary in the mine shaft, if you will, okay. of the financial services industry. You have, you know, the highest ranking people that we have at our events usually sit on the C level panel, and hence uh, the name C level. Na- exactly. And uh, this year was no different. You know, we had folks from uh, Blackstone, Brown Brothers Harriman, Henning Walsh Asset Management, Deutsche Bank, Bank of America, McKay Shields. So good buy side, sell side. McKay. McKay Shields. Okay. I actually messed that up on uh, when I introduced Anthony Vigilante at the event. Did he say something I, to you? No, I said McKay Shields. No, he, he's like, yeah, I'm used to it by now. You know, he's been there for like 15 years, something like that. Love Good man. Years. Good man. Understands <laughs> that these things happen. But point being, we have people from the buy side and the sell side. And the one topic that came up that I know you despise, <laughs> I've written about it, but it is something that seems to be top of mind for all of these firms. It's time they're going to be... Blockchain or talent? Which one? It's talent. Bam it's it. talent. It's talent acquisition. I know it's not sexy. You know, we talk about a difference. We had the guys from Julia talking about deep dive programming and all different things. And some talented guys. Now we're talking about how to recruit 20-year-old pimply nerds, you know? Yeah. Hey, listen. <laughs> um, but that's that's the Waters Wave of the Podcast, a wide spectrum of things. But talent was a big topic that was brought up. Uh, a lot of it was around culture. I mean, the fact of the matter is, and this is not new, this has been said for a while, though, is... Long gone are the days where somebody graduates from Caltech or MIT and wants to go work on Wall Street. That's just not the way it works now. You have Instagram, you have Snapchat, you have Facebook, you have Google, you have exciting startups. You know, they're kind of taking a different route. You know what I wonder? Oh, boy. Just here we jump go. in here. Jump in, please. Long gone are the days and all that. And I hear, and that's something that they say all the t- that, that people say all the time. I want to know, I want to I want to start going through LinkedIn and looking at all the CIO CTOs because I've done 30 some odd mm-hmm. uh, interviews with people. And of CIOs, chief information officers, chief technology officers, and then I've interviewed hundreds, maybe thousands of people in my eight years here. Yeah, I don't actually meet a lot of people that were from MIT, Cal Berkeley, Stanford. You know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if there was ever a time when Wall Street was the hot place to come. I think it's actually now becoming hot because quants are becoming much more important and people that can program and develop their own code, develop their own algorithms are becoming more valuable. I'm wondering if that was, that maybe this was all a big, everybody says it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do Bayless. it. What a Skip Bayless heel turn here, I taking the going, opposite side of the argument. I am going to do an, uh, an investigative report, and I'm going to look at all from the 80s and 90s and see how many Wall Street C-level uh, guys actually came from MIT. Well, all right, maybe California. not MIT, Calts, but you t- look at you know the Ivy Leagues. How many guys have you spoken to, you know, C-level guys that were Ivy League guys? I, I, not as many as you'd think, I would say. But I, I guess... There are a lot of 
guys in technology, women and women, men and women in technology that uh, did go to sea level, but not for technology. Actually, they were either on the business side. You have like Kathy Basant, that was an English major, you know. Um, so you know, it kind of goes down that path. I, I don't know. I, I think it would be interesting to go and look and see how many. We should go through all of our cover stories. See how many were actually went for a tech an engineering degree you know something like that something that had to do with technology some science uh, degree um and then became a cio cto from uh ivy league and how many just went to uh regular universities but anyway i think of two off the top of my head two neil Pawar, aqr okay bill murphy blackstone i mean bill murphy Penn and brown wonderful yeah um okay all right all right all right well you got two <laughs> hey, hey listen, we've been doing cover stories since uh, April to April or May 2010, we've been on a run here. So that's a lot of cover stories. I can't do the math because I didn't go to an Ivy League school; just went to Plattsburgh State. Um, <laughs> no, I like this. No, I, I, let's let's no, let's pull on the string a little bit because then that's kind of the counter. So the argument that was kind of brought up was that a big thing is just you know kind of changing the culture, kind of you know retaining talent and, and making yourself as appealing as possible when you go and speak at these you know whether it's an ivy league school or these strong technology schools i don't know what's a strong i guess R. you know from a new york perspective i guess rit right rpi RIT, strong technical yeah. schools clarkson um you know and then you have caltech did i mention um, i went to plattsburgh state and uh, i don't know much about <laughs> what a good school look no I, I love plattsburgh state it's a great school so. we've We've heard this conversation for a while. I know our, our friends, our colleagues across the pond uh, at it was ETAS or one of the, the more recent conferences that they had, talent was also brought up and they wrote a story about that. Mm -hmm. um, so, but from your perspective, you don't think it's as big of an issue as they're making it out to be? No, I, I guess that I'm just, here's why, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, was Wall Street ever, because we're having people say, there was a time, basically, when Wall Street was the place to go if you were a top-tier technologist. I think that Wall Street was the place to go if you were a top-tier finance guy, you know, some something you know along those lines, mm -hmm. um, MBA guys, stuff like that, and still is. Mm -hmm. Was Wall Street ever really? What's the evidence to show that there was a decline? Where you know that that once the internet boom happened, that Wall Street lost all of its IT talent. Did that actually happen? Was there ever a time when Wall Street was the hot, sexy place to go and do uh, work on technology projects, or was it always at IBM? You know, which I think it was. Uh, you know, let me or counter, companies like that. Let me counter by saying I don't know if it was sexy or hot. I think that's a little bit of revisionist history from the people that are telling the story. Mm -hmm. You know, the C level folks. I think the money was always there, and now the difference is that the market and the economy mm. has developed on the West Coast, where it's worse. But you we've always been sexier, but now we can pay you. All right. So you don't think then that in the 80s, like, so let's just think back to the 80s, let's go short 70s and 80s. Okay. So I was, I, I, got imagine, I was one years old. <laughs> I was born under the Carter administration, but the very last year of it. Okay. So, um, so GM, General Motors, you know, back at, I, I'm, I'm assuming that the car industry was healthy in mm -hmm. the 80s. I actually don't know. Um, but so at companies like that, what, what were the big manufacturing jobs Back then, weren't they, you know, you got to figure that, you know, cars, that they were probably attracting a huge amount of IT talent, technology talent. You know, um, NASA was always going to be drawing in the, the interesting people. Now you have NASA and SpaceX, stuff like that. So there's more competition, I guess. But 
I don't know. I, I was well, you. You are right that yeah, Wall Street was always producing lots of money, so they could afford it. But how much did they really need? I actually, I truly know, don't know an answer. So if anybody <laughs> this is the knows, beauty. this is the yeah. beauty of the Waters yeah. Medley podcast. Yeah. Just we shoot from you, the hip. We just, we don't know. We're just throwing it out there. And if you know, the audience knows, and you should I, reach out to us and let us know. I, you make up, uh, you make a good point. I think your original point making about up, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> making up, yeah, you're making up, you're making up a lot of points. <laughs> no, I think your original original point about uh, IBM, I think GE is another one. I've heard, you know, John Marcanti uh, at Vanguard, the head of technology over Vanguard, he was originally in that program for a while and kind of went through the the steps there. That's another kind of big. Kind of Panasonic, man. What were some of the great '80s uh, companies <laughs> that you remember? Radio Shack, Sony. You know, come on, these were yeah. You know, at, at at the end of the day, you just need to, you know, offer more exciting opportunities to these well, folks. Okay, so I guess to your point, uh, you know, last, when we had the Julie guys on, you had uh, Jeff Bazanson, who's he was you know, one of the lead programmers of designing the Julia programming language. We were sitting there with truly one of the, this is what they talk about. When they talk about top tier programming talent, it's a guy like that. A guy who created a whole programming language that works super fast. Oh, um, and where do you go to school? Uh, MIT, yeah. But he doesn't work in Wall Street, does he? Exactly. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. No, they don't. They're, they're working on all things. They Yeah, they have some Wall Street stuff and finance stuff, but they're also in uh, um, astro- uh, astronomy. Astronomy. <laughs> but wouldn't you, but the, wouldn't you say their, their bread and butter is financial services? They're not services. a Wall Street firm. I guess what I'm saying is, so when we're talking about Wall Street talent, yes, they are creating a product that we'll is- We call that a draw. But just the same way that Google is creating products for Wall Street. No, just no, no, the no, same no, no. way that Amazon's creating products for Wall Street. That's not the same thing, though, because their bread and- Julie's bread and butter is- Around Wall Street applications. Right now, I think that they're actually... No, no. they're And I wouldn't say that they're... They're very much moving into healthcare. Um, That's going to be... They're going to make their... When they strike a big... Yeah, finance will be a big piece of it. But I think pharma and all the money that's uh, thrown into there. Fair enough. Astronomy, stuff like that. That's where they're... You know, and and I think they're they're seeing it right now. I I have no idea what their financial makeups are. But I would say that finance is a piece. Okay. But it's not the whole show. All right, fair enough. So... Again, we're sitting there with a top-tier talent. And, again, he didn't go. You know, he's not working for a Wall Street firm. So, again, when we're talking about Wall Street talent, I don't know. I just wonder, was the talent ever coming in? But I guess we kind of flew off the rails here a little bit. What was it that was said on that C-level panel that that made you bring up this whole idea of talent that I love to talk about? Well, it was just – it was honestly – you look at it and it was almost, you know – 15 minutes of them, which is a big portion of a 45-minute panel, 50-minute panel, 15 minutes of them going back and forth about, you know, how cultural is a powerful retention uh, tool, how there's a massive shift where the sexy jobs are Google and Facebook, how you, you need to be a marketer, how a, C, a, a CTO needs to worry about marketing, you know, just as much as he needs to worry about his budget because he needs to bring in these tech folks. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, whereas maybe two years ago, the first Waters USA I went to, it was maybe a five-minute conversation or a smaller piece. Now it's taking up a huge portion of the of the topic. And these are, this is a, this is a, panel that they can talk about anything we can kind of you know we're a conference where you can get deep in the weeds you don't need to get a 30,000 foot view and be like technology big t you know we can get into the specifics of machine learning and AI, yet they still chose to really dwell on this because that's clearly you know i kind of view the c-level panel almost as therapy for these women and men because they can kind of voice what's their biggest concerns and other you know men and women can say i agree with you that is one of mine and they can kind of resonate together and connect and the fact they chose 15 minutes to really focus on this one area that's 
not tech related at all really but is massively tech related i found interesting well i guess that maybe that's due to a shift in the the importance of quantitative analytics um and the hiring of quants finding quant talent uh, at every single kind of trading firm is becoming more and more important and this idea of big data and deep dive analytics like really trying to break down um, from unstructured data sets they're finding out wow we now in the past used to be able it used to be much more difficult and incredibly expensive to draw in all these data sources it's, there are certain market data that's still very expensive but there's a lot of date free data or cheap data that's out there that you can pull in to get some insights and store storage has become exponentially cheaper um and but the processing power now is where it's important so i guess that maybe that maybe that's a shift maybe that's why you're seeing more talk about that at the C-level ranks about this drive for talent um, because of the importance of analytics. I, analytics was always important, but there was only so much you could do, and so there was right. only so much um, programming talent, quant talent you needed to have in-house, I guess. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm just shooting from the hip. Man. I will say one thing that was brought up specifically, uh, Michael McGovern over at Brown Brothers Harriman talked about how, you know, his spend has gone up significantly and specifically his spend around cyber has gone up specifically. And a big portion of that is the talent aspect, yeah, cyber is gonna become... which, which I think is an interesting, you know, debate because you have, you know, it, it's an area that maybe the school, you know, you know, because cyber wasn't big, it's kind of the knock-on effect. Cyber wasn't big, so there wasn't the focus from the tech crowd, from the schools, to be educated on that. So now they need to wait to get educated so they can kind of fill up their coffers with those talented cyber folks. Well, it's kind of like uh, you spoke to that one uh, hacker, uh, the girl's name. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't know if you can. But um, but before Vijay, I think. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But yeah, she's one of those. She, she was young. like She was 16 years 16 old. 16 years yeah. old. And so white ha hacker. You know, she's going to be the kind of talent that, you know, Wall Street firms will be like, no, we would really like you to come and work for us, you know, and kind of thing. absolutely no interest no in getting interest. into Wall Street. Said she wanted to work for Instagram. <laughs> you know, this is this is the competition. It's the world you're living. Uh, speaking of interesting but stuff. Also, wait, oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe this is also a much more blown over idea. Now I'm just, God, it's like I've been drinking here. Uh, <laughs> maybe this, <laughs> Is that water or vodka in your glass? <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, so think about this. In the 80s, so to go back to my analogy about the 80s, right. about, there are really only so many top tier technology firms. Nowadays, top tier technology firms are everywhere. But what that also means is that younger and younger kids are now being brought up in a technology culture where they're working with technology and then they're going to school for learning programming. I'll, I would love to know at, if you took uh, a survey of every single university student, you know, today compared to 1985, mm -hmm. how many have, you know, at least a solid understanding of programming? How many can program? At least a little bit. Okay. I'll bet you it was one percent of you know the population of of the student population in 1985. Mm -hmm. If that, um, I'll bet you now that it's much more around five percent. I wonder. Yes, that there's always that challenge to get the top tier, and that will always be a moving target, right? The top tier always changes who's in that top tier, sure. but it's always a moving target, and Wall Street has always struggled to catch up to that. Mm -hmm. um, but. I got to also imagine that coming out of just regular schools, you know, you are able to find very competent, very 
solid programmers, maybe not the level that you want. I don't know. I, I wonder, because the pool is going to be much, much bigger now of people who can, who have been It's an employees, exposed. not an employer's market, is what you're saying. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, you are all over the board with this. I really am. <laughs> uh, let's change gears now. <laughs> I had no good transition for that. Let's just change gears now. We had a very interesting guest speaker. Uh, his name was Tom Harden, uh, also known as Tipper X. Tipper X. And he was the FBI's most productive cooperating witness in Operation Perfect Hedge. So uh, this story was from 2013. Well, yeah, I guess it, it 2004 kind of started. 2011, I think, is when the FBI first came to him, if I remember his presentation correctly. Right. Um, we could definitely get the information on that. But, yeah, uh, it was around, two, it was, you know, 2011-ish. In the 2013, basically, is what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. And and basically, yeah, 2000, October 2009 were when the first arrests were made. And uh, he eventually pled guilty December 2009. Um, January 2010, his name was released. But essentially, it's about how he um, was, he worked at a hedge fund. He inside he did insider trading, uh, four trades. Uh, he said he did four trades. And uh, he was caught. By the FBI, he was he was walking outside his apartment. They basically confronted him. They said, you've been doing some shady shit. We know what you're doing. Can you help us and we can help you? So he turned, he flipped, and he wore a wire, did all this stuff. And uh, it was a very interesting presentation because it gave a perspective to something that probably isn't talked about enough in the industry, um, how easy it was to kind of uh, mentally just kind of say, oh, yeah, that's okay, kind of make um. No, I'm not getting the right word for uh, to, to kind of. Uh, it, it, I wish I could be a good co-host right now and bail you. He's hammered. He's this. so drunk right now. <laughs> um, but it was it was interesting how you know at the end of the day, Tom said that he ended up making forty six thousand dollars off of the trades, mm-hmm. which you know he's working at a hedge fund he, as a portfolio manager. I'm sure he was making much much more than that so at the end of the day what's forty six thousand to literally ruin your career he's another he's an ivy league guy although not tech so it doesn't pertain to our argument but he was a, a wharton wall street is filled with ivy yeah no I, I know he's a wharton school business guy and uh you know ruined his career you know now he he's a he has a felony um on his record he One couldn't of the even, interesting stories just to kind yeah, of jump sure. in is that um so he's telling about how you don't think about the ripple effects of what happens after you get caught and he wanted to coach his daughter's daughter's like six four five six years old uh soccer team wanted to be coached on it he had to fill out a thing have you ever uh been uh convicted of a felony or something whatever Mm -hmm. that wording is that they use he had to check the box yes and they said no you can't uh be a coach of um whatever kind of league that right. would be a, pre- a a pop warner kind of thing um because you've been convicted but he's like it was a white collar crime it's not like i was a violent criminal i was like a rapist crazy murderer drug yeah. offender or something like that you know um but they don't make except you know you can't make exceptions for that when you're dealing with kids um you know you just got to watch out for you know you Safety, I guess, is the better thing. So you just don't think about that. So now he's got to explain that to his daughters. Right. Um, why I mean, he can't, you know, coach uh, the team. He told another story about how when he was first revealed by, I think it was the New York Times that first picked it up, how uh, his sister-in-law, I think it was, I think it was sister-in-law or sister's... Or, sister, no, no, sister or sister-in-law? I think it was sister-in-law or maybe his wife's friend 
was it was someone no, that was it. going up for a job at a big law firm was friends with him on Facebook had gone through a bunch of the interviews mm. and then finally got to the last interview and they said yeah we like you but we can't hire you because you're Facebook friends with uh, with, with Tom which you know and then she had a nasty phone call that she uh, delivered to Tom but that type of ripple effect like you said you don't you know he, he kind of made the point you view this as oh who am I really hurting it's a victimless crime but it's affecting a lot of people and you're ruining you know it ruined his life it destroyed his life um so you know i think it really resonated with the crowd because you know so often it's oh what's you know i'm trading a little inside i got a little tip here i got a little tip there and then you know i'll make a little money here make a little money there and um you know who's this really hurting it can have a massive impact and that you know that one decision can just just destroys your life so i i thought it was really great you know we've had some great speakers um uh, you know, at Waters for a while, but I I really enjoyed it. It was something different, and I the, the one funny thing is, um, asked the question, uh, you know, was there anything that is there any you know, we're at a technology conference, there any way technology could have caught you know what you were doing here and kind of figured you out? And he said no, you know, basically. So <laughs> as much investment as you're making into like fraud prevention, everything like that, you know, when it's all just going over a phone, unless you you know over your private phone and everything like that. Unless you find out a way to monitor that and then basically tap into your employees' phones, yeah, you're, it's going to be very tough for you to stop these kind of things. And uh, so it's, yeah. it's got to be something that keeps a lot of compliance officers awake at night. All the compliance, yeah, yeah, exactly. Enjoy your sleep tonight, compliance officers, knowing that your job means nothing. It, it is worthwhile. It is worthless. Your job is worthless. Um, let's switch gears. Out. Well, before we change, anything else from? waters usa that that stood out to you we have a ton of content up from the conference i put all the links up i also put the tag which will refresh with new content as it's added mm -hmm. um but definitely give a look lots of interesting stuff ai machine learning cybersecurity, um robo advisors it's definitely worthwhile poking through there and, there's actually and a lot a of talk about robo advisors um from the even so you wrote your article uh, while you were writing your article um there was another panel i was covering I can't remember which panel it was. Uh, good job I did on it. Uh, <laughs> where they were talking about robovirus. So that was a topic that's definitely seeping much more, you know, obviously it's more retail folks, but there is a lot of uh, overlapping now where there's a lot of interest around that. That will be something that will obviously be uh, a topic of discussion going into uh, 2017. I want to switch gears again out of Waters, Waters USA into a story that I'm working on right now on virtual reality, uh, which... You know, you think of virtual reality, you think of those big Samsung goggles that people wear. Hey, seeing all the holiday uh, commercials are all about, uh, it's a good commercial. You exactly. Know, you see people reacting to uh, to what they're looking at. Yeah, you think of maybe gaming um, with, I know, the, uh, what is it, the PlayStation VR or something is, you know, like yeah. a, a headset thing. You don't necessarily think of financial services, but it's something that, you know, a handful of firms are looking into, not close at all to implementation or anything like that yet but it's something they're considering whether it's with meetings and communications or if it's uh, via the trading floor um i think it's definitely not full-on virtual reality whereas you're completely you know oblivious to the world it's you know i'm looking at my trading screens and also i have you know kind of a a lens over my face almost like a google glass so to speak that can show me some data visualization of some some statistics um it, it's an interesting thing i'm i'm excited you know 
working on the story because I think this is new age. You know, Tony did a great story. Anthony did a great story on Julia program Julia program programming language. Were you drinking too? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the Julia programming language that was kind of ahead of the curve, and I think you know our readers react to it by the amount of people that clicked on the story and read it, and the kind of people that have brought up and have been talking about it. So that's really been interesting. Um, well, let me let me jump in. For the, the one thing I'm not quite understanding is so the potential. This obviously it's not going to be something that's going to be on trading desk tomorrow. Sure. Mm-hmm. What would be the? I don't understand why a trader would want to have this big thing attached to their face all day. You know they're going to be sitting in the dark. You know what benefit would this have for them? Because it's, it's got to mess with you. Because I don't think virtual reality is something that's meant to be um, an eight-hour thing course of a day day upon day so i don't understand why the bench be unless it was like oh i could pick this up and use this for a little bit that would be kind of cool and fun and put it away i guess is that something that's kind of being explained as far as because again if a trader is going to be there for a minimum eight hours a day if not longer sure why are they going to want to sit with this yeah, thing on their I mean, face and sit in the dark all day? The question you What's brought the up. Benefit? The question you brought up has been brought up by a lot of people, and kind of to, to drill into what you're kind of asking is: Is this just a marketing ploy? Yeah. Does this just look cool on posters? Does this look cool when we go to Penn and MIT and say, "Look at what we're doing in our lab"? But is it really? You, what's the use? I think something that we see a lot of um, is the fight for traders screen space right yeah. the fight for user user interface user experience right how can you kind of manage all the different charts and stuff there's so much analytics there's so much information that's being pushed in how can we kind of figure out a way well this is yet another way without adding another screen per se and throwing up something else this is something where you know some of the the, the demos that i've seen you can kind of pull up a chart and see kind of a three-dimensional chart right on the floor as you're trading on your screen of this, that, or the other. You can kind of throw something to someone else and kind of pull it up. Or if we're in a um, if we're in a meeting together, right, mm-hmm. and you're in London and I'm in New York and I want to show you some type of chart, instead of having to worry about the PowerPoint or the Skype or whatever, you know, or, or Symphony, um, you know, I can kind of, we can both have our headsets on and I can kind of toss something over to your screen and you could toss something over to my screen. I think... You know, data visualization is probably an overused word, but it's something that people are looking to do more and more, especially with big data and these analytics. And this is an, another channel that they can do it through. Yeah. So I, I, so I guess the premise is that, you know, because I guess the, the way I was thinking about it a little bit is just that BYOD became a big thing, you know, in my time here. Um, mm-hmm. And now it's just full, you know, BYOD isn't really a topic as much anymore because it's, it's more standard. It's implemented. Yeah, it's standard. Um but there was a time when this was a hot topic at Waters conferences and stuff like that. Um, and I guess the reason was because everybody got used to using an iPhone or whatever. I mean, mainly an iPhone, mm-hmm. but you know, maybe some other you know, users at the beginning of BYD. And they're like, I don't want to use my BlackBerry anymore. I have this cool technology. I have this uh, iPad that I want to use. I don't want to use my BlackBerry anymore. And so that forced them, you know, it forced internal teams to be like, okay, we have to figure out ways of creating security and stuff like that around that. So the things that people use at home will eventually seep in. You know, you're using a computer at home, you know, laptop at home. You want a laptop at work instead of a big old desktop, you know, stuff like that. So anything that you get used to and comfortable with at home will eventually seep into the workplace. So as you're seeing with these Christmas commercials, um, with uh, the headsets and everything like that, I guess that that's seeping that it's slowly sleeping seeping into stuff that will be there every day and once the kids start using it at home 
once parents start using it, you know, for show their photo albums and stuff like that, whatever the heck they use it for, then I guess that as they become more comfortable, five years down the road, eight years down the road, maybe then that's when uh, banks and hedge funds, stuff like that, start really making a potential investments. But I guess that we're still first generation here, so there's no chance of this happening anytime soon. I guess, is there a timeline maybe? I've, I've talked to the actual vendors, right, of some of these products, the people working with it, who have a financial gain. And even they are saying, this generation of equipment that we have right now, there's no way that this is going to be implemented into banks and, and, hedge, yeah. and hedge funds and asset managers and whatnot. It needs at least one more iteration. Uh, it needs to evolve. It needs to... Iteration uh, was that word? Iteration, okay. yeah. Just checking. <laughs> it needs to evolve. It needs to slim down. It needs to be lighter. Um, the, the screen needs to be wider. A lot of things need to occur. What I've heard, though, is that the actual software backing it, the visualization software, that type of stuff is fine. The hardware needs to improve, but the concept behind it is ahead of the game and is where it needs to be. Well, it's kind of like, what were they trying to, they were trying to solve the cure for something and then they created penicillin or something like that. What was it? Uh, no, they left, um, what was it? It was bread, right? They left bread uh, in a Petri dish uh -huh. and then the fungus grew on it and then... I don't know. Then he slept with a hooker, we go, and he, he we, caught something, and then he needed to take we it. Did not go to Ivy League schools. Um, so, but I guess that I, the other, I guess, potential for this is that actually, yeah, we never actually have traders sitting at a desk, you know, or, or that's it's a long, that it's going to turn into a could end up creating new visualization techniques that are still used on a desktop. Maybe it changed the way that screens are used on desktops and designed. Um, so I guess that that's another potential for virtual reality is even if you aren't five to 10 years from now sitting at your desk with a headset on doing this, the visualization techniques that were developed using these first generation tools of VR will become the, the basis, the standard for what visualization is on a yeah. computer desktop. Yeah. It's, it's a want now, but it could turn into a need as it seeps more in. So it'll be interesting to see how that space kind of moves. Let's switch real quick before we wrap things up. The Grammys mm -hmm. were announced. The nominations were announced. Uh, I know we have so many questions. Uh, mostly, what's the difference between an album and a record? Well, if I don't really understand it, okay? So album record, I'm sure there's a Google thing we could just go and look up. But, you know, basically you look at the record and you look at the, or um, no, was it record It's record and song, and song I think we yeah, decided. Initially we thought album record, but we yeah. recognized that all the records were essentially singles. You got Hello by Adele for record. And then you got Hello by Adele um, for song of the year. But then they have the songwriters list. So I think it's that song of the year is more about the songwriter. And record of the year is just maybe what sold the best. I don't know, but there's so much overlap. There. Yeah, record I think Somebody's, is what sold because yeah. you could, a record you can go platinum, double platinum, right? That's yeah. I think that's like the actual single, and then the song is who participated because you're right. You know, it's this formation by Beyonce, and it lists all the because people that were into it. it. It this reminds me of there was an old Simpsons episode where you know they do the baby on board and they win like a, a Grammy. And then he throws it in a box like, ah, everyone has one of those. There really are just a way too many categories that they give out for the same exact songs and everything like that. So that's, I guess, my first uh, problem there. But uh, I guess looking at, so let's start with the song. You know, so we'll just call it, uh, what do you think we should go with? The, we'll go with the record of the year category. So you have Hello by Adele, Formation by Beyonce, Seven Years by Lucas Graham, 
worked by B- uh, Rihanna and Drake and stressed out by 21 pilots. Who you got? Who uh, do you think should win and who do you think will win? I mean, it's the, what, uh, unstoppable force meets the movable object. You have Adele and Beyonce, right? Uh-huh. The two, uh, you know, lovable princesses of Hollywood, of America. Um, I think it's a race between those two. I give the nod to Hello because I don't like Beyonce. That's just me. I know a lot of people will throw shade my way, but mm-hmm. I think the fact that you make an entire movie, an album about your husband cheating on you and say it, try to act like it's not a whole marketing ploy is BS, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, I think Hello takes it. I don't. Lu- Lucas Graham, that's a country singer, right? Yeah, kind country well, country music is trash. Well, no, no, it's not. It's not. It's not country. It's um, it's kind of like a God. I, what, what would you describe this? I'm not a cool kid. I'm an old man now. This, so, it's kind about, of like how Kid Rock became like country, but he's kind of got this. Rap. Okay, well, if you're if you're if you're being if you're throwing no, no. in Kid Rock to compare you, then you're definitely not. Seven years win. is a great. Go check out the song. Check out the video. I'm it's sure a great I know. Song and video. I'm sure I've heard. I I know I've, I know of work. Obviously, stressed out. I don't know. Stressed out. If I heard the song, I'm sure I probably. So know. I guess for me, I think Formation's gonna win because uh, it's got the political undertone stuff like that. I think. It's, powering kind of song i think that's gonna get it over uh hello but um and i think but if i if i think i would actually go stre- uh, what i would want would be i think stressed out would probably be my favorite of songs but uh seven years pretty great and i mean who doesn't like to sit there and listen to hello i guess but um well we're missing the biggest thing that has that we haven't talked about yet what's that the fact that yeezy 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 is not a part of album of the year the life of pablo is it's the biggest it's just absurd the fact that that was not included and it just shows that the industry is just against Kanye West okay okay hot take there hot take <laughs> I didn't listen to the album I mean his music has fallen off for me enough I used to buy all of them but it's kind of fallen off and I don't know I just I don't it shows that it shows the prejudice that's against Kanye West that right. this industry ever right. since he crushed Taylor Swift's heart at the VMAs just, just nobody said, wants nobody wants Kanye to succeed. Yep. They miss the old Kanye. <laughs> and then goes marries Armenia's princess. And uh, but I'm sorry, I'm hijacking this this thing. What else? So we well, talked about record of the year. So that's why I think though album of the year. I think Adele's 25 is gonna beat out Beyonce's Lemonade. So I think Beyonce takes the song. I think Adele takes the album. I think uh, it's the other way around because I think the whole Lemonade, the artistic, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Becky with the good hair, the whole. I, I think that I think Beyonce will get album of the year because of the the overarching theme of kind of this thing. Same reason you thought Formation was going to win for song. I think it's going to be flipped the other way around. Okay. And uh, I didn't. Drake's Canadian. Who likes Canadians? Well, what about right? Justin Bieber? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who likes Canadians? <laughs> uh, Sterling Gillis is uh, is um, Sterling Simpson is good good album. I mean that's. I mean, I've listened to a couple of songs off of it, so I like that one too. But no chance it has those. Basically, in record and uh, album, I think that it's basically a race between Adele and Beyonce. So, yeah. um, and then I would also say for music video of the year, I don't care who else is in it. When OK Go is ever in the category, <laughs> you have to go OK Go. Like this isn't even like there's that one that just came out. I don't even know for which song, but it's like it basically took three seconds five seconds to make but it's a three minute song and it's all using it's absolutely fascinating it's using these explosions that just happen in the course of like three seconds 
of him just walking and an explosion happened around, but then they slow everything down and time it perfectly. I don't know how the hell they pull this stuff off. Uh, this one is for uh, the one that they're up for is upside down and inside out, uh, where they're on a plane with zero gravity. So they're just kind of flipping around all over this plane, stuff like that. I'm like, don't give me any other video, okay? These guys are they're doing, the treadmill guys, right? Yeah, the treadmill guys. Uh, they do all sorts of different, really clever stuff. So they better win for music video of the year, and then they better win next year for this latest one because that shit just blows my mind. Used to be a big music video guy. Uh, Arcade Fire, the suburbs, great music video. It's a movie. It's a short movie mm -hmm. made into a music video. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting about a uh, dystopian society. And uh, yeah, gotta stop using that word, man, because you're not hitting it, man. You're not getting the pronunciation. I thought right? I was so good. I thought I was so good. I was so confident. I was waving my one pen time, at you. Funny story for you. Know, it's one time we're sitting at the, our desk, and you know we're, we're having this deep political discussion, and Dan says dystopian, you know, something like that, and I'm just, and I stop listening to what he's saying. I'm like, the hell word is that? What? I realized trying to say dystopian society. I'm like. God damn it, Dan, your pronunciation so of words. I was so, so close. Bad. The podcaster that can't pronounce words. Uh, I think we'll leave it. Before we leave, uh, first of all, I should have said this after I talked about VR, but if you are in the VR space, vendor, end user, whatever, and you find it interesting, shoot me an email. It doesn't necessarily have to be something on the record, but just I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. I'm always interested to hear about, you know, and this goes for all the conversations that Anthony and I have, but specifically for VR, you know, we're working on the story. I have a, a few more weeks to work on it, but love to hear your takes on it if you have something, um, you know, that's actually conducive to the conversation. That doesn't mean PR people try to jam your source down my throat, but if you actually have some worthwhile information, please let me know. Uh, we also want to talk real quick about the... Uh, the schedule for the uh you know holiday season now so next week will be business as usual will be anthony and i you know talking about whatever is newsworthy that week because that's still kind of really the last full week of news the week after that i will have on the king and maybe you can join in too we maybe we could do a little three-way maybe no i don't know we'll see i don't want to put you on the spot yeah i'm, I'm always happy to have uh, yeah. people uh, take yeah, my okay. spots here considering so, i'm just i'm just talking off the top of my head most of the time i don't even know <laughs> next week we will have uh two weeks from now we will have victor anderson editor-in-chief longtime editor-in-chief of waters technology he's going to join me to talk about kind of forward-looking views of of 2017 well, he's definitely going to now because we're putting him on the spot saying he's yeah. going to be there. <laughs> that will be the topic. And uh, and then finally for the week in between Christmas and the week of Hanukkah and the week in between Christmas and New Year's, uh, since not much is going on, we're still going to put up a podcast because that's what we do for you, the people. Um, but it's probably just going to be Anthony and I just kind of BS and maybe we'll do some PR stuff that people piss us off. We have some good stories about that. <laughs> um, maybe we'll talk about the holidays. Who knows? We'll figure something out. We'll have some fun with it. But uh, we will have a podcast up through the week. And then the new year, we have some exciting guests coming up, uh, especially the first week. I'm not going to say any names. Don't want to jinx it. But definitely stay tuned. Uh, if you're not subscribed, subscribe on SoundCloud. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe everywhere. Rate us. Do all the fun stuff. We love our listeners. We love you guys. Reach out if you have anything. Anthony, you have anything else to add? Nothing to say. Thanks so much. And be sure to join in next week. Mm -hmm.